the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. It's not Monday, but it is Monday psychologically for me because it's my first day this week because I wasn't here yesterday or Monday. I was in in sort of another world, which helps me tremendously to keep my balance, inner peace, know what's important. So it was the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and I conducted my own services for the 15th year. About 350 to 400 people come, and it's very powerful. I gave a speech on on, uh, Sunday night that I intend to put on the Internet and I wrote about it in my column, which came out yesterday. You can see on my website, Town Hall, and many other websites. About the centrality of honoring parents, of parental authority to a good civilization. I worked very hard on this speech. And so I want to, uh, I want to put it up. So many of you have a child or know an adult child who does not speak to a parent usually it is for no valid reason. They may have valid reasons to be angry or annoyed or whatever with a parent. I'm not denying that. I never ask people to love their parents. But parental authority and acting decently to parents, that is central. Just remember this. Any, capitalize any, A-N-Y. Any movement that seeks to diminish parental authority is authoritarian or totalitarian. In other words, it's toxic. Just as you smell meat that has been in the fridge for a while, you smell it to see if it's got any form of botulism, here's an immediate smell that tells you moral botulism, political poison. Does the movement seek to diminish parental authority? And that is what the communists did, it's what the Nazis did, and that's what the left in America does. You're a pain in the rear, you parents. You are of no use to us unless you support us. Us meaning the authorities 
and now the teachers. Who will hide from you if your son, David, decides to be hmm, Madison or Michelle? We will not tell you. Your son is eight, and we will not tell you. Because you might actually say, no, you're really David, and you are going through a phase, and we are not going to prevent you from developing as God or nature. An atheist can have the same argument using nature. Has made you. You were made a boy, or you were made a girl. That you identify as the other is, at this time in American history, a function of the power of social media and sick adults. On rare, rare, rare occasions, we have a genuine gender dysphoria which needs to be treated. Overwhelmingly, this is socially induced, which is the reason for the massive increase in something we basically never heard of. But it's parental authority that is the issue. I need, I need to do an hour on this show. I regard my radio show, and in, in speeches I say this all the time, my radio show is my human laboratory. It is where I get to learn about humans, just as one would learn about other biological things in a laboratory. I'm going to do an hour on those of you who know of or are victims of an adult child who will not speak to a parent because the parent, for example, voted incorrectly. That child is despicable. You may love that child because it's very hard not to love your child. So so it is that the human is programmed. But as an outsider, may I say, your son or daughter is despicable. As I would say that to a conservative son or daughter who didn't speak to a parent because the parent voted for this very bad human being, a truly rotten soul called Joe Biden. But if a conservative child did not speak to a parent who voted for this rotten Joe Biden, I would say that child was despicable. You act like you're dead because you differ with your parents' politics? Who the hell are you? And I have the answer. You're secular. That's who you are. You don't believe God commanded you to honor your father and mother. You are your God. That's the way it works in life, my friends. Either God is our God, or we are our God. Very simple. Or better, the power around us, the society, or those in power are our gods. No one has no God. God is the determiner of good and evil. And whether you take the story literally or not is irrelevant. The Garden of Eden story makes it clear. People will give up utopia, the Garden of Eden, to be their own gods. That was the deal. Eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You'll be like God. You will be your God. That's who it is. So for the modern liberated soul, the secular soul, there is no God who says, honor your father and mother. Right? Right. I do what the hell I want. And if it means ruining my father's or mother's life, screw them. Another product of secular chaos. 
That's what I talked about. <laughs> In a nutshell. 1-8 Prager 776. You you might want to read my column. It's Wednesday, comes out Tuesday, came out yesterday. It's at my website. You can can you sign up for my column? You can sign up to receive it. A lot of people do. You should. There's no money involved. I have a thousand of them up. I wish people, everybody read every every one of them. To be honest, there isn't a penny in it for me, but I think I have important things to say. As I said in April 2020, which is now two two and a half years ago, that the lockdowns were the greatest international mistake ever made. The chaos that has ensued. Do we have the Italian, uh, the Italian Prime Minister's uh, two-minute speech there, Sean? We do. And if it comes up, I could. She's obviously giving it in Italian. There are subtitles in English, so I, I can read them on the air. Is that correct? Are you with me, Sean? I can read the subtitles, which will show up on my screen, correct? Okay, let's put it up. This is the new Prime Minister. I'll describe to you how the New York Times reports uh, about her uh, right after. This is speaking, uh, is, it, is it to the Italian Parliament? Uh, or No, I don't know if it's the Parliament. It's just to, to a large group of dignitaries. Here we go. This is about what we are doing here today. A Monte c'è quella che ci facciamo oggi, perché la famiglia è un nemico? Why is the family perché la famiglia enemy? fa così paura? Why is the family c'è so una risposta unica per tutte queste domande. Perché ci definisce, perché è la nostra identità. Because it is our identity. Because everything that defines us is now an enemy. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That is awesome. I have been saying that. To hear a prime minister of the third biggest economy in Europe say this? Everything that defines us is now the enemy. That's exactly right. Decades ago, I said, those with no identity hate those who have one. George Soros is the perfect example. He has no national or religious identity. So he hates those who have a national or religious identity. She, she got it right. My friends, you want hope for the future? Well, it's coming from Europe of all places. Who'd have thunk? Sweden, the same thing. Sweden didn't lock down. Sweden has a very large conservative party now. I'm Dennis Prager, and we return. The Dennis Prager Show. Dennis Prager here to share a product that can help keep everyone more healthy, Cofix RX. Most of us know that viruses of all types are a part of life. What we don't always know are the right products that could be protecting us. So I'd like to tell you about Cofix RX and its doctor-approved secret ingredient. As a safety measure, many doctors and nurses have been using iodine to swab their noses for decades. Iodine has been in use since 1811. And 96% of us are iodine deficient. 
using Cofix RX antiviral nasal spray with povidone iodine is a smart way to stay healthy. Cofix RX is made right here in the USA. It's simple to use. You spray it up your nose and the iodine destroys germs and pathogens where they multiply in the nasal cavity. Check out CofixRx.com, that's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com, for a retailer near you, or use the coupon code Prager for 20% off at CofixRx.com. I'm playing for you a two-minute speech given by the Italian Prime Minister yesterday or the day before. Why is the family the enemy, she's asking. Why is every identity an enemy? Well, I use George Soros, one of the most vile people alive, as an example of a man with no identity. He has no national identity and he has no religious identity and he hates those with a national identity and those with a religious identity. The destruction of identity is one of the major goals of the left. You are black or white, but you are not American. That's that's a uh, that's retrograde. That's regressive. And anyway, it's filled with evil. They similarly crap on Christianity, and, and therefore they most loathe those with a strong American identity. People they call MAGA Republicans. And those with a Christian identity, those they call Christian nationalists. The New York Times averages one attack a week on Christian nationalists. I haven't met one, and I work with Christians, I have for decades. I don't know where they're hiding. I don't even know what it means, a Christian nationalist. Do you know what a Christian nationalist means? I'll tell you what it means for the left. It means a Christian who loves America. Christian who loves Christianity and loves America is the enemy of the left. They hate you more than any other group in the world. That you can be black and they'll hate you. That trumps all other hatreds. They're they're okay with white leftists, although they claim all white leftists are racist because all whites are racist. They've never never quite squared that circle for me. I'm white, I'm telling you we're all racist. Speak for yourself, you thug. So that's her opening comments. They hate all identities. I am reading the subtitles. I do not speak Italian. And we continue. If you want to, of course, you can watch this at Salem. What is it? The Salem News Channel. Is that right? And, uh, okay, here we continue with her speech. For those who would like us simply be perfect consumer slaves. So they attack national identity, they attack religious identity. They attack gender identity, they attack family identity. I can't define myself as Italian, Christian, woman, mother. No. Stop. That was awesome. Okay, that was awesome. Could you put that back to five seconds? I want to. I want to read that exactly what she said. This is such an important speech. Why the New York Times hates her. Oh, can you put? Are you, are you putting that back? Is it possible? 
the, the, the comments that she made about what she can't be. Can you put that up, Sean? I don't see it. It might be up, but I don't see it. That's a problem. I can't define myself as Italian, Christian, woman, mother. No. God, this woman knows what she's talking about. I think when she speaks about consumer slaves, we are reduced to economic creatures. That's it. We're soulless. And so she, all of her identities are worthless. Christian, mother, Italian, woman. All right, continue. I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. I must be a number. Because when I am only a number, when I no longer have an identity or roots... Then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators. Hold on there. The perfect consumer. I think this is an attack on the World Economic Forum and on the EU. That's what it is. You you are economic beings. That's all you are. It's a perfect uh, attack on Marxist outlook on life. You're soulless consumers. She's exactly right. Remember, the secular don't believe in a soul. If you believe in a soul, you're not secular. You believe then that if there is a soul, if there's something non-material in you, then you're immortal. Because the non-material does not die, only the material dies. So if you're secular and believe in a soul, you don't know what you're talking about. Because that's the most fundamental religious belief, that we are not just material. Because a non-material thing made us. If you have a soul, there is a God. There's no such thing as a non-material soul and no God. Non-matter doesn't come from matter, okay? But there is so little serious thought from Harvard to UCLA that all of this is new if you are a college graduate. Continue, please. The perfect consumer. There's applause. Again, you can watch this. That's the reason why. That's why we inspire so much fear. That's why this event inspires so much fear. Because we do not want to be numbers. We will defend the value of the human being. Every single human being, because each of us has a unique genetic code that is unrepeatable. And like it or not, that is sacred. We will defend it. We will defend God, country, and family. Okay, stop there, please. We will defend God, country, and family. To the New York Times, this woman is a proto-fascist. God, country, family, that is despicable to 90% of college professors. It means you're a moronic a-hole, a right-wing proto or real fascist god country family oh god let me let me throw up they don't have god country family well they have family that 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 they do but of course there is no cultivation of the family the left doesn't particularly care if you marry and has many arguments for you not to have a child most obviously because your child will stain the earth by its presence. Mother Earth is more valuable than child 
on the left. We continue. Those things that disgust people so much, we will do it to defend our freedom because we will never be slaves and simple consumers. All right, hold on there, and we're going to continue. I'm Dennis Prager. The Dennis Prager Show. History repeats itself, and we're seeing that play out with inflation. When Jimmy Carter took office in the late 70s, gold sold for $140 an ounce. By 1980, the price of gold topped out at $870 an ounce. If today's market performs like it did when Carter was in office, the price of gold could skyrocket from $1,800 an ounce to $9,300 an ounce. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion. Don't miss out on a great opportunity to purchase precious metals while the prices are still stable. If history repeats itself, we'll see a run on gold, silver, and platinum that will certainly drive up prices. Be smart and buy now, as I am. At AmFed, you're dealing with specialists who provide you with personalized attention, honest information, and sound advice. You'll never be pressured into buying outrageously priced so-called collectible coins or anything that you don't need. Take advantage of today's prices. AmFed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. I believe that she is speaking to... A party, her parties, meeting at a party meeting. It's a yeah, a rally. This is the the new prime minister of the first prime, first female prime minister turns out to be a, a right winger, which sort of shatters the left. You know, they're the only ones we don't give a hoot. You see, conservatives don't think. Oh, look, the first, the first black, the first Chicano. The first Native American, the first black lesbian, uh, which was a big deal. Is that right about the the, the new uh, press secretary? Is she gay? Yeah. So it's a big deal. We don't we don't we don't care. It's, it. Who are you? Not what are you? Who are you? Are you are you Dennis? Are you Alan? Oh, then I begin to know you. Yes, so uh, she. Uh, I'll finish. I'm, gonna, I'm finishing her speech. I'm watching and giving you the subtitles. Of course, the speech is in Italian. Let's continue, please. Chesterton wrote more than a century ago. Let's see if I can find it. I, I so identify with her. Fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in summer. The time has arrived. We are ready. Thank you. Okay. Oh, that was the end. Great. That's it. Chesterton wrote that. Chesterton was a prophet. That's exactly correct. Swords are drawn. Two and two is four. Men menstruate. We. Uh, so excuse me. Men don't menstruate. See, swords will be drawn in order to protect the idea that leaves turn green in summer and that two and two is four. That's exactly the, the age in which we live. The Oregon Education Department said, in fact, that math is white supremacist in insisting that there's one correct answer to a mathematical equation or, 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 or problem. That's, he, uh, she, she knows what's happening. The left hasn't won yet. You know, there are tens upon tens of billions of us in America. 
but they want to uh, scare us. Thugs like Merrick Garland. Man turned out to be a thug. Truly a thug. I don't think there's been an attorney general as uh, as uh, unworthy of the position as he. He is using the government to suppress dissent. Do you understand that? That's what fascists do. I truly believe that if this country were taken over by a Stalinesque part communist party, Merrick Garland would serve it with joy. I believe that as I believe I am talking to you. How does, how does a country this good produce such bad people? It, it, it's still a puzzle to me how you can grow up in America the beneficiary of so many blessings most particularly of liberty and then have contempt for liberty were you raised poorly were you raised with any values Would it, would it have been predictable? Would somebody who, who knew Merrick Garland five years ago have thought this man will turn the Department of Justice into a corrupt, dissent-suppressing machine? See, that's my question. Would people have been able to predict this? And my answer is I don't know, and I'll tell you why. I asked this question of Jordan Peterson when we were together for eight days a few months ago in uh, what you will see on the Daily Wire uh, in the near future. I asked him, do you know a person who has not been tested? And he said no. He was he immediately responded to it with a no. Do we know ourselves until we're tested? That's an interesting question. Maybe not. Garland has been tested, and he's a lowlife. He's a thug. Using the Department of Justice to suppress dissent... I think it's the first time in American history. MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale and Giza Dream bed sheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're all on sale for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream Sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 800-761-6302. Use the promo code Prager. Or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code 
Prager. Yes, yes, yes. Go on, go on. Hey, everybody. Dennis Prager, male, female hour. Second hour of my show every Wednesday. That's why I picked it, because it's Wednesday. Most honest talk that I know of about men and women in the American media. Again, I emphasize that I know of. Maybe there's... I can't imagine more honest talk, but I can imagine equally. Part of the reason is I'm very comfortable talking about all aspects of male-female relations. Another is I'm not a man fan or a woman fan. I'm a good person fan. And the sexes are pretty evenly divided between wonderful and awful. So, (laughs) you know that last line, maybe we should do that once. You know, Dr. Fussbent, I've always had, I've always had problems with women. What does that mean? I've always had problems with women. Do you understand what that means? Was it? Yes, yeah, so in the context of the movie, I do. Oh, in the context of the movie, you yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. He's he's always. He, it just he doesn't he doesn't know how to act when he's in the presence of a no, woman. No, no. Oh, he, what does it mean? He doesn't. He's so attracted to women. He's so attracted to he women. Doesn't really know how to control the, his attraction. He the, oh, he doesn't know. Women, he wants he multiple women. Okay, he loves them all. All right. Well. Okay. I was. I have to see. What is the movie again? What is that movie what's from? New what's new? What's new? Pussycat. It's a great. I've seen it, but I have to see it again. I didn't know. It was, oh, it was one of Woody Allen's first movies. Yeah, wrote it. Yeah, fascinating. Anyway, today's subject, my friends, is love at first sight. And my question, and you can start calling immediately, is it reliable? Had I done this subject, and I've commented on this throughout my radio career, but I never did an hour on it. Now I am. Had I had I gone into the topic with any depth, even well, no, that's not true. Because it, you know, for the first half of my career, that would be the accurate way of putting it. I would have poo-pooed love at first sight. First, I, I would have thought it mostly occurs in movies, not in real life. And that if it's in real life, it isn't particularly reliable. So that's my question for you. Is love at first sight reliable? If if you had it, here's another question. Not only if you had it, did it work out, but here's another question which is also news to me. I ask people all the time, how did you meet? If they met five years ago or 50 years ago. I'm very interested. How did you meet? And increasingly, it has become evident to me that the vast majority of cases, not all, but it seems to me the vast majority of cases, at least one of them knew really, really quickly, this is the person I want to marry. Is that your experience? 
personally or with people that you know? Is it something that happens mutually? They both think that way? Or is it usually one and the other one takes his or her time? I I didn't believe in it. As I told you, I thought it was romantic stuff from movies. And then it happened to me. And it turned out to be accurate. Now, attraction at first sight, especially for men, that that's, it doesn't tell you anything. I mean, obviously, attraction at first sight is part of love at first sight, but I mean, maybe when you're, you know, 18 years old and you're a guy, you fall in love with every woman you're attracted to. But we're talking about something deeper than than that. So, if it's true that it happens. Often, how do you explain it? And frankly, I I can't. There's just a knowledge. It happened to my parents. They met, my mother, I believe, was 18. My father was 19. And her mother affirmed that my mother came home that night of their first meeting and said, I met the man I will marry. How does that happen? I don't know how it happens, by the way. But I, so I'm interested in how often this happens. And I'm interested to know, is it reliable? Is love at first sight a good indicator for you to follow? Now, I haven't met all the people who divorced who had love at first sight. But I've met a lot of people who were married, and happily so, who had love at first sight. That would be very interesting. Did you have, if you, oh, this would really fascinate me if you, if you can get in on the show. Did you have love at first sight and divorce? <laughs> Uh, that's sad. I'm sure it's happened, but I, I really want to know the reliability. I don't know if there's any way to assess it. I don't know, do you poll 10,000 couples? Love at first sight. One of them, love at first sight. Both of them, it worked out or it didn't work out. What's the ratio? But I will say this, what I do know now and that I didn't know years ago was how common it is that at least one of the two, I'm talking about people eventually married, had love at first sight. Here's another interesting variation on it about if you had love at first sight and you didn't marry 
That's an interesting question to me. It just didn't work out. Love at first sight is very uncommon. That I think we could all acknowledge. So if you had love at first sight for somebody, and that that person never really did fall in love with you, and it was unrequited love, how do you deal with that the rest of your life? I'm not, I mean, you could call in on that, but that's that's just a side question that occurs to me. Given the power of love at first sight, did you have it? You didn't have it. Did Susie? Ask her. It'd be interesting to know. I'll bet she did. I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's rare that both do. But uh, yeah, I think it's quite common that one does. All right. Listening to the Male Female Hour, the phone number is 1-8-Prager-776. 877-243-7776. The Dennis Prager Show. Hey, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. That's whose name you're saying. Male, female, our love at first sight. Did it happen to you? Do you believe that it is real? In other words, a reliable predictor of genuine love? Is it, is it just passing lust? slash attraction has it worked out is it reliable and just as important to me as a question how often does it happen how many marriages are based on love at first sight mm-hmm I probably wouldn't be asking this if it weren't for the fact that I had this. And we're together 18 years now. And I hear from almost every couple that I ask them that. So how how soon did you know this was the person? Amazing how many people say immediately or nearly immediately. Hard to know why. All righty, everybody. Let's see what you have here. Dory in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I've been listening to you for a while, and I appreciate your wisdom. Thank you. I met my husband on a blind date on New Year's Eve, and our children were there, and we knew within a couple hours, we just meshed really well playing games. It's like we're in each other's head, and my 13-year-old son looks at his son and goes, they're going to get married. No kidding. Yes. (laughs) That's fat. What did the other son say? He's like... Well, he's he's nine. He's like, uh-huh. I don't think so. Uh-huh, right. I get it. So you you were both divorced? Yes, we're both divorced. And and Matter it was fact, a blind date. We were through and, the divorce. I'm sorry? 
I was going through a divorce. Right. Okay. I was at the end of my divorce. I understand. All right, but I'm, that's what I'm just saying. You weren't widowed is really what I was... Uh, no, we were both was, divorced. Okay. By the way, how do your respective children get along? Uh, that is strained for the mere fact of the ex-wife. Mm-hmm. That's why I asked. It's it's very common for there to be tension. I ought to cover that on an hour. Yeah, that I'm sorry about that. Why she she because she didn't want the divorce, so she's angry. Well, she actually caused their divorce by going out on him. So I don't know. She's very bitter. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> yeah. That's why I asked the question. So you both knew immediately. That's what you're telling me. Yes. Um, I actually, we were ready. We could have got married within a week. Right. But I said, no, we need to wait for two years. He mm-hmm. couldn't live in my house or anything like that. And then we got married within two years. And we've been together 17 years and married for 15. Well, what a great call. Thank you. All right. There's a vote. for Both had it. Uh, that's fascinating. Georgia, Fort Worth, Texas. Hi. Hi. How are you? You ever go to the rodeo in Fort Worth? Uh, yeah, I was, I've been there a few times. I yeah. was I was just there two weeks ago. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, my husband and I uh, met out at the, um, well, we were both in the military at the time, and we met out at the base club, uh, which is Carswell, and I knew immediately I was going to marry him. He was scared and had no clue. That so. is so when, when did he... Two things. When did he think he'll marry you, and when did he know that you thought you would marry? Like the next night, we met at the club again, and that kind of scared him. But uh, we met December 23rd, got married May 11th, and left for Minot, North Dakota, October 11th. So (laughs) it was like this. Well, that, that's a great story. Anyway, my, my view is anybody who goes to Minot within the year of getting married, it's going to work out. It, it, it's just amazing how uh, common that uh, rule of life is. Uh, let's see here. Let's get, let's get a man now. Howard in San Antonio, hello. Good afternoon or good morning to you, Mr. Prager. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Yes, I, I'll vote yes. It was a love at first sight for both of us. And uh, we just, I was at a dance hall and I, well, I can't go into great detail, take a, several hours, but uh, I had seen my wife before in a business situation. But I did not know who she was, and it was I was an immigration officer at the time. And uh, then I saw her in a dance hall about two to three months later, and she was staring at me because what had happened earlier in the uh, business situation. That's what I'll say. It was, and uh, so it was, was it love at first sight for her too? Yes, yes, yes. Amazing. When, so, what is your theory? Do you think that it's it's a reliable predictor for most people? If it's if it's genuine, I mean, there's obviously physical attraction is first, but there's something about the person that is beyond that. In other words, the look in their eye, the way they're looking at you, 
uh, the way you're looking at them. And I think I think both people kind of know it. You can tell that there's it, that attraction. It, so right, it's an amazing thing. I really this is as I said before it happened to me. I I I didn't believe it. I thought it was a movie thing. Even though it did happen to my mother, so I I, I just thought maybe that was quirky. It's very hard to explain love when you think about it. You can give reasons, and they're all valid, but many of those reasons would exist with somebody else. It's it's a very powerful thing. We shall return, male, female, hour, Dennis Prager Show. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Great to be with you. A powerful two days off because of the Rosh Hashanah holiday. It's called the Jewish New Year, which is true, but the Jewish belief is that it's the New Year for the world. I thought you'd find that of interest. It's a universal Jewish holiday. Passover is a national Jewish holiday, as an example. The exodus from Egypt, but this is the creation of the world and that God judges everyone. That's the key message. You're judged, baby. <laughs> I'm saying this with the executive director of Prager U sitting next to me. I really want to do some billboards. God judges you. I, I have a new word to add. Reminder. Friendly Reminder. God judges you, and if we want to add, not doesn't only love you. Uh, I I think it would it would make national news in a day. He's smiling, folks. That is a major major response. He's A.K.A. the Living Martyr. He has many hats, which he needs because sometimes his head gets cold. It's is an important factor, the hat factor. By the way, I conduct services, and they're really powerful. I'm telling you what. Uh, Rob Ellis of Salem, who is in charge of the streaming, you can stream it just by clicking on, on DennisPrager.com, cited on the show. You could click on stream, and you could stream it till the end of the year. You have access to it. As much as as much as you want. He's a Christian, and he said he felt he is learning and experiencing the roots of his Christianity by watching this. So there's still Yom Kippur left. Plus, you could stream Rosh Hashanah. It's just as just as relevant today as it was yesterday or the day before. I hope you will. I gave a talk. Uh, I, I talked the whole time. I explain everything that goes on. Plus, is phenomenal music. And I gave a talk on honoring parents, on why parental authority is central to civilization. I hope that goes viral. I don't say that often about my own talks. I really hope it does. We'll see if we can do something about that. Anyway, I hope you'll uh, stream it. And it's at DennisPrager.com, undersighted on the show. You know that the FBI 
raided the home of a pro-lifer, Catholic man, father of, I don't know, how many kids does he have? Huh? Seven kids? This is like unbelievable. Where did this take place? I don't see the city. What city was it? Isn't that odd? Yeah, he's outside of Philadelphia. A well-known pro-life author, sidewalk counselor, and father of seven, it's from LifeSite, was the latest victim of a U.S. Department of Justice-sponsored SWAT raid and arrest at his rural home as his children looked on screaming. Mark Houck. Hmm. Ryan Marie, who was a homeschooling mother, described how the SWAT team of 25 to 30 FBI agents... you hear that? A SWAT team of 30 agents? Is what the FBI has become? Yes, that's the answer. God... The model I had of FBI agents is upright protectors of the innocent. It's the left, remember, the left ruins everything it touches. Everything, everything, everything. It is a cancer. It is a metastasizing cancer when it gets into religion, music, art, architecture, elementary school, high school. University, graduate school, police, law, medicine, FBI. I don't know I don't know what's animating force. I don't know what propels people to destroy what is good. So I, I can't explain it. I can only tell you what happens. Fifteen vehicles. 25 to 30 FBI SWAT members at 7.05 a.m. Having quickly surrounded the house with rifles in firing position, quote, they started pounding on the door and yelling for us to open it. What do you think these agents thought they were going to? I'm curious. Were they told some white supremacist murderer? It is a great question. What did they think they were doing? To FBI agents, you know, the the notion I only followed orders has a has a bad reputation. Before opening the door, she explained her husband tried to calm them, saying, Please, I'm going to open the door, but please, my children are in the home. I have seven babies in the house, but they just kept pounding and screaming, she said. If you know an FBI agent, you've got to ask what's going on. When he opened the door, quote, they had big, huge rifles pointed at Mark and pointed at me and kind of pointed throughout the house, Ryan Marie described. After they had taken Mark, and the kids were all screaming that he was their best friend, the FBI agents on her porch kind of softened a bit. 
I think they realized that what was happening. Or maybe they actually looked at the warrant, Ryan Marie explained. They looked pretty ashamed at what just happened. Did you read that part? Near the end. God, I hope they were ashamed at what happened. That's our only hope. Moral shame is very significant. The warrant charged Mark with violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act due to a claimed, quote, attack of a patient escort. Ryan Marie stated this charge comes from an incident that had already been thrown out of the district court in Philadelphia. Isn't that fascinating? That's the most interesting part of this thing. The court had already thrown it out. Merrick Garland put it back. He's a thug. The Attorney General of the United States is a thug. He's a bad man. I didn't know this. When Barack Obama nominated him, I thought he was a good man with whom I differed. He's a bad man. He's the worst Attorney General in American history. He's politicized, weaponized the FBI, the Department of Justice, to go after dissenters. And the New York Times loves him because they're on the same moral status as Merrick Garland. On several occasions when Mark went to sidewalk council last year, he took his eldest son, who was 12 at the time, she explained. For weeks and weeks, a pro-abortion protester would speak to the boy, saying crude, inappropriate, and disgusting things. This is the wife's retelling such as your dad's a fag, and other statements that were too vulgar for her to convey. Repeatedly, Mark would tell this pro-abortion man that he did not have permission to speak to his son and to please refrain from doing so. And, quote, he kept doing it and kind of came into the son's personal space, unquote, obscenely ridiculing his father. At this point, Mark shoved him away from the child, and the guy fell back. He didn't have any injuries or anything, but he tried to sue sue Mark, and the case was thrown out of court in the early summer. In March, the FBI rounded up 10 pro-life activists, including Joan Andrews Bell, with SWAT team raids, that served to intimidate and humiliate the accused through an exercise of excessive force. After the FBI's unprecedented August 8th raid on President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis called called it, quote, another escalation in the weaponization of federal agencies against the regime's political opponents. What has happened here in Philadelphia is beyond belief. 25 to 30 agents, SWAT team, to a guy who was sued by a a, a pro-abortion activist. And the, the case was thrown out of court. And the thug who runs the Department of Justice has reinstated it, sending FBI agents to his house at 7 in the morning.
Do you know how, I mean, the obvious about the, the sort of trauma to the, to the family, you know what it does to your vision of your country? Your government is at war with you? Because they think that people who are pro-life are scum? That's what they think. It's pretty sick, isn't it? They think that if the mother's life is not threatened and she got pregnant voluntarily, meaning wasn't raped, that she just can't take the life of, of what she's carrying because she wants to. You may disagree, but the, these people are not worthy of your hatred. Whew. A lot of sick stuff on the left. A lot of sick stuff. Great piece in The Spectator, right? The, the Spectator, is it? On Portland? Yes. By Gilbert T. Sewell. It's about Portland. Portland is one of the nation's most beautiful cities. Positioned at the confluence of the Columbia and Willamette Rivers. But fading livability hangs over it like a raw gray drizzle. After years of political mayhem and an explosion of drug-related homelessness and crime, the city's fabled quality of life is plunging. Sorry about that. (laughs) Press the wrong button. Every taxpayer in the two and a half million metro area knows it. On a warm, cloudless autumn day, the city's once spotless downtown should be bustling. But it's almost empty. Almost. Junkies, vagrants, alkies, and crazies shamble everywhere. The dazed and tattered wander into high-end hotels and doormen shoo them out. Keyed-up speed freaks bang on cars trying to park. Uptown in Pioneer Square, two heavily tattooed lesbians with turquoise hair kiss and fondle one another, eyes darting in all directions. It's urban performance art, not Eros. In Portland, zanies run the show. And if you don't go with the vibe, you are the problem. It's been almost two years since Portland's orchestrated nightly violence. Now fine, century-old towers and white brick office buildings stand half-empty and vandalized. Black Lives Matter's signs are in every window, preventatively so, intended to deter glass smashers. Isn't that interesting? I put Black Lives Matter sign to prevent my windows from being shattered. I took a picture during in 2020 in Santa Monica, California of a storefront boarded up like all the stores were because left-wing violence is not considered violence 
by the New York Times and NPR and the Democratic Party. Only January 6th is violence. A half a year of violence was not violence. It's like the Italian Prime Minister I played for you, a recording of her speech. And she quoted Chesterton in her speech in Italian. That people will use swords to defend the proposition that two and two is four. That's what we're in. We have to defend the proposition that left-wing violence is so much greater than right-wing violence as to be incomparable. But that's defending two and two is four. Anyway, I took a picture of this building in Santa Monica. And do you know what it said on it? Black-owned. And I, I, I had chills up and down my body. I remember... I mean, obviously wasn't alive, but I remember from my studies that in the early days of Nazi Germany, there would be signs, Aryan-owned or German-owned, to distinguish it from Jewish-owned. That story you could destroy, just like the message in Santa Monica. If it's white-owned... You can destroy it. The left is really, really bad. I'm reading to you from this very important piece about Portland, Oregon. About what life is like there. Portland's turmoil began in earnest a decade ago with the Obama-era Occupy movement. The discord has never quite ended after 2015 anti-Trump and Black Lives Matter quote-unquote peaceful protests. Vigils and marches became routine. When COVID dawned in March 2020, officials maximized lockdowns, school closures, forced masking, and draconian stay-safe rules. Interesting, no? The more left-wing, the more draconian state rules. And people go for it. That's the scary part. He has something powerful to say about this. Why Portland will vote Democrat, despite the fact that they're ruining their city. By contrast, starting with George Floyd's death that year, hundreds of black-garbed hooligans, some carrying shields and wielding nightsticks, assembled nightly for anti-police skirmishes, arson, and vandalism. On one rampage, rioters pulled down Theodore Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln statues and smashed the Oregon Historical Society's windows. The mayor and police stood by, helpless and paralyzed. Concurrently, Portland City's council, Portland's city council, substantially reduced its police budget since restored. Frustrated by the lack of political support, Many in the police force resigned or retired. The shrunken, persecuted police bureau currently has over 100 vacancies that it's trying to fill. Are you going to be enrolling in the Portland Police Department? 
progressive district attorney Mike Schmidt's lenience aggravates the law-breaking. Amid an exodus of experienced prosecutors, he has dismissed hundreds of cases against rioters. Where was where was the uh, where was the Wawa store riot? What city? Just happened this weekend. But like a hundred uh, young uh, black kids, and I mention it black kids because nobody does, or very few do. Philadelphia, yeah. We have a very serious problem on the disproportionate amount of violence committed by blacks. If you don't talk about it, you don't really give a damn about their victims. Every white infraction, the, the whiteness of the, of the culprit is emphasized. There's a serious problem with black crime. There are more blacks in prison because more blacks proportionately commit crime, not because of systemic racism in putting people in prison. This is like defending two plus two equals four. But if Chesterton really said that, he was a prophet. We have to defend that two and two is four. Residents acknowledge escalating crime, dirty streets, and an increased sense of unease and lack of safety. But when confronted with obvious solutions, they hit a weird psychological wall. This is key. If prodded, so he's asking the question I ask. You're a Portland resident. The Democrats have ruined your city deliberately. And you will vote Democrat. Why? This is true for all liberals. Forget leftists. Leftists support the destruction of of everything. Liberals don't. Why do liberals vote Democrat? So he... He answers, if prodded, they skid seamlessly into proud boys, white supremacy, climate apocalypse, gun violence, and wellness. That's it. He got it. He hit it on the nose. How could I possibly vote Republican? I'm against proud boys, white supremacy, Neglecting the climate apocalypse. I'm against guns. That's it. It is the most powerful brainwash I have experienced in the Western free world in my lifetime. As people watch their city destroyed, they vote again for the destroyers. Reading to you about Portland, and he's so right. They watched their city destroyed by the Democratic Party, which has become a purely destructive force in America. And they will vote again. Because of Proud Boys, white supremacy, climate apocalypse, gun gun violence, and wellness. He continues, Portlandia 
cannot bear too much reality. Thus lawlessness, homicides, car thefts, and property crimes have skyrocketed since 2019. Remains unchecked. Mentioning rampant black crime is forbidden, as I cited earlier. The left, I never said this, it's interesting, never put it this way. Do you know what the left also does in its rampage of destruction? It forces people to lie. It forces non-leftists to lie. The crisis of black crime, which is a crisis primarily even against blacks, goes almost unmentioned. Hundred kids go into Wawa in Philadelphia and ransack the place. Don't say black kids, but you watch the video, you know. Think it helps blacks to deny that it's up on the screen here at Salem News Channel. Why does it help blacks to deny that there's a crisis of crime in, in the black community? How does it help blacks? How does it help blacks to lie to them that their problem is whites? Hmm. Or even that the problem is guns? Think, think the biggest uptick in purchases of guns has been, abon- been among black women. We have a video on that at PragerU. That's right. What? Jason Riley, who's black. What, what, what is the name of the, the video? I'll, 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 I'll tell people to watch it. It's five minutes. All our videos are five minutes. So let me ask you all a question. Ask your liberal brother-in-law. What would uh, reduce more, more crime? More fathers in the home or more gun laws? That's a good one, eh? If they say more gun laws, or both, they don't want to answer, you have somebody who has convinced themselves to lie on behalf of their doctrine. Businesses, bars, restaurants, hotels, and other attractions have folded. Hotel and lodging tax receipts are down an estimated 50%. Do you you hear that? This is Portland, and people will vote Democrat again. Hotel and lodging tax receipts are down 50% from 2019. Half the business? How do they stay open? They don't. They don't. Three major hotels. Well, you're right. That is the next sentence. (laughs) Three major hotels have announced pending foreclosures. Property owners call it a full-fledged disaster and blame city leaders who are, quote, doing nothing about it. But they will be reelected. For the left, their God never fails. I'm using the title of a book, The God That Failed, by ex-communists. From the late 1940s, as relevant today as then, Lost in pathological compassion. This is really well written. Pathological compassion. Much of the city is allied with protesters. 
urban campers and criminals. Unfeeling capitalism and racism combine to force disadvantaged people to live in the streets and make shoplifting and theft their only option. Yeah, NPR, never forget, in 2020, had a woman who wrote a book in defense of looting on for an hour. No wonder the left has contempt for the Ten Commandments. They don't believe in them. The problem is landlords and extortionate rents. The police are the enemy. Portland's leftist front makes reform impossible. Its efforts to negate time-tested modes of governance, rational thought, and civic cohesion go forward in a spirit of self-righteous malice. The city's woes continue as officials and voters virtue signal all the way down. Public sympathies shield the destructive and abnormal. The wooded city's appeal is vanishing, but not its magical thinking and ruinous convictions. Given stubborn devotion to progressive articles of faith, Portland's decline does not feel temporary or even complete. It feels tragic. It's not a tragedy. Tragedy is an earthquake. This is man-made disaster. Back in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. Hey everybody, Dennis Prager here. Amazing the show is coming to an end today. Today's show is... Tom in Philadelphia, I can't. It's, I don't have the time, but I want to. I wanted to take your call. I have it written. Why do you ridicule Brianna Taylor raid and support the pro-life citizen who was raided? I never ridiculed it in my life. What I said was it was a lie that it was racist. The issue was that she was killed because she was black. That's a total lie. It's a hundred percent lie. She was killed accidentally, and the raid was because they thought drug dealing was taking place because her ex-boyfriend was a major drug dealer. So the police apparently made a mistake. It was a very complex issue. Mistakes are one thing. Deliberate evil is another. The case of the raid on the guy in uh, Philadelphia was evil. It was deliberate injustice by the master of deliberate injustice, Merrick Garland truly putrid human being ruining our FBI which was already in a state of decline on a happier note the Babylon Bee reports its headline I read it to you we should put it up PragerU and it shows me being interviewed in my football uniform PragerU football team still dead last in NCAA rankings It was painful to read. Despite installing a new Trinity wishbone offense during fall camp, PragerU has once again found itself dead last in the NCAA after a 94-0 drubbing at the hands of the Florida Gators. I don't know where it went wrong. We had a really good week of practice, all in easily digestible five-minute chunks. Said Mr. Prager, 
in a post-game interview. <laughs> Prager U had reportedly entered the season with high hopes after acquiring a haul of new talent. We thought Candace Owens would be a great addition at wideout. <laughs> oh, God. It's a fun article. Although Florida outgained PragerU by 937 yards, the Prager team still felt like there was some positive to take away from the game. Half <laughs> the team is currently hospitalized. <laughs> the Babylon Bee is a riot. Oh, God. I think if we put out a team against uh, uh, Florida... And in Gainesville, I think we would lose by more than 94-0. Although, it depends. I mean, what is the maximum number of times you can actually have the ball? See you tomorrow, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, Become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at Pragertopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.